So it was JAMA night, Pele in. Oh. <laughs> Would have been lovely. Perhaps people might remember me. And uh, if I've if I've entertained people, so much the better. Hello and welcome to the third episode of Off the Pitch. And today my guest is a man who is a good enough cricketer to play for Gloucestershire and a good enough footballer to become a Bristol Rovers legend. It is, of course, Harold Jarman. Lovely to see you again, Harold. Thank you, Richard. So let's start from the beginning, cricket and football. When you were a boy, which came first? Well, in those days, uh, you you sort of had two uh, sessions where autumn and winter and and then you came to spring that you just naturally changed changed over after easter you went from one to another you you you, you stopped playing football in the because it all occurred in in in, a, in the school playground really and i had a we were we were in a sort of backward sort of area not well not backward but uh deprived area and uh but it was a lovely lovely school and we had a wonderful uh, school teacher that looked after us, and uh, was was uh, he, he he did his best for us, hmm. and it came from there really. So, which were you better at as a boy? <laughs> Difficult to say because when I was when I was nine years old, he he uh, the Evening Post ran a ran a coaching scheme uh, that was uh, taken by a, a chap called Len Harbin. This is cricket. This is cricket. Yeah. And he had coaching sessions up at uh, Callaway Avenue. And uh, although the Evening Post ran it, you had you had to pay, I think it was a guinea, 21 shillings. And he paid for me to, to go to Callaway Avenue with Len Harbin. And that helped me enormously. I was a natural footballer because um, all my brothers were natural. My father played, he played one or two games for Bristol City Reserves way, way back, 1920 uh, or something like that. And um, so it all came from from there, really. And uh, one of the, one of the um, things about Hot Wells, as it was there, um, they had a wonderful boys' club, so I, I was sort of the mascot of the of the boys' club. But what it was was Dad would say to say to um, the boys, "Take him with you," and they had to. And where were we going? We were going to we were going to football. So it, it was a big influence from school. Boys club, everything, and, and a very close communi- community at Hartwells. You mentioned Bristol City, so we'll get your st- dirty secret out of the way. There's a boy from Hartwells. You were a Bristol City fan. I didn't know where Eastwood was, to be honest. I'd, 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 I'd never been out that far. We, you know, unless I on a Sunday afternoon, Mum used to say, "Let's go and have a bus ride to Downend." And we passed through Eastville, <laughs> but that is as near as to Eastville as so I ever So did you watch on. Bristol City play? And I was a Bristol City supporter. Mm. I was in amongst the crowd that, um, the biggest crowd they ever had, 43,000 against Cardiff City just after the war. And I saw Stanley Matthews play it in the, uh, it, uh, 
down the city ground. Oh yeah, I knew all the all the all the names like they do these days. All the interest it was all around Bristol City. Why didn't you sign for them? Well, they had a they had a manager called Peter Doherty, who was a great player. He was an Irish international, and he came down. He came down to um, manage Bristol City after a chap called Pat Beasley had left, and um, he didn't. He wasn't. He, he didn't. I wasn't. I don't, I don't know whether it was because he didn't know uh, Bristol at all, and I suspect it was. But he kept bringing players down from the north, and he wasn't too interested in in um, local players. I was I was playing on Ashton Park for a team called Victoria Athletic, and on a Wednesday night we used to go to Bristol City Ground because this is part of our training. In those days, uh, run around the ground for an hour to try and keep fit. So you were literally right on City's doorstep as a as a player. I was I was a mile and a half on their ground. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I got closer to them. <laughs> <laughs> so which, again, which came first, then signing for Gloucestershire or signing for Bristol Rovers? <laughs> well, I signed. I, I eventually I, I played the club cricket. For, uh, for the optimist. And um, I started to make runs in there. And it, at 13 years old, I, I, I played for the first team, made my debut for their first team uh, at Shahampton. And the optimists were, were a strange side, but they were a very um, upper class sort of side. They didn't play too many games in Bristol not against Stapleton or Downend or any of those teams. They used to play them at Trowbridge and those sort of play. And they had a chap called Stuart Lampard who wanted to make the club much, much more, much better. So we imported one or two people from, from, the, uh, from the county ground. And then that's when I started playing also... I, 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 again, I was asked to go up to the county ground for coaching as well. But these lads came in playing, they, they went back and said, there's a good young player at the Optimist. And at 17, I, I, I was, um, I played for the Gloucester, played for Gloucester Seconds. Again, it was seasonal. You know, it was, yeah. it was... So football in the winters, cricket yep. in the summer, simple, simple yep. as that. I, I want to talk to you mainly about Bristol Rovers, but we'll talk a little bit about Gloucestershire cricket because you were there 11, 10, 11 seasons and, and uh, played in some in incredible games. I, I, you played, didn't you, in the, in the incredible Gillette Cup semi-final <laughs> uh, against yes. Lancashire, which finished in the dark and was on TV. Um, yeah. uh, what are your memories of that game? <laughs> well, I, mem I remember going in and playing in... The, um, uh, Morty just said, "Get a bat on it." You know, it was it was cricket was different in those days. I mean, they they've expanded it now. Whether you like it or whether you don't, it, that's a matter of opinion. But um, I remember I was in for five balls and I kicked three <laughs> and ran. So this and is right at the end of Gloucestershire. This you right Gloucestershire right batted first, end. didn't they? And uh, I think we were we. We were um, 
fiddled out of that game, really, because we should have won it. Um, Proctor had one or two overs to bowl, and they wouldn't let him bowl because of the night. Now, that, that's a bit unfair when, you, when your best bowler can't bowl the last couple of overs. But it's such a famous match because, as I said, it was televised and, and it was so dark, really, by it the was end, wasn't it? That, actually. Um, as Lancashire got to the closer and closer to the total they needed. There, and were, then... there were 25,000 people there, I think. Um, and they kept, um, half, I suppose half of them were on the, on the boundary, kicking the, the boundary rope in. And when I was, when I was out there, uh, I kicked it back again. But, uh, yeah, when somebody played a shot, the, um, Barry Merrow was saying, pointing, his, putting his hand up, telling you where the ball was going, which side of the pitch the ball was going. It was really it was that very, dark. very yeah. difficult yeah. To, to see. Yeah. yeah, and a man called David Hughes came in and, and smashed oh. a few quickly to change the game. He was the only man on the, on the, on the field that could see the ball. <laughs> Don't, I, I don't know. I don't know why they go off for bad light these days. No, amazing. <laughs> you know, if there was ever bad light, that that, that was it. So you just missed out on a, a on a Gillette Cup final, but yeah, uh, um, yeah, that would have been lovely. Yeah, yeah, that that would have been a really that nice way. That was what nineteen seventy one, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the last game I played. Right. Okay. So overall, happy team. times at Gloucestershire. Wonderful. If I could have made the, if I could have been a top class cricketer. It, I, I would have loved it because I think, you know, the game was, it was a wonderful game. Were you a batter yeah. or bowler? I could bowl, I could, I could bat. I was a batter really, but I could also bowl if I wanted. Mm. I you, always bowled in club cricket. You mentioned some wonderful players. You've mentioned Morty, John Mortimer and, and, and uh, Proctor. I mean, Mike Proctor, a Mike, Gloucester legend. I, was, I, I went to a dinner last year and... and um, one of his one of his uh, promotional dinner, dinners that I was asked to go to, when I sat next to him, and he, uh, he said, "You were my first captain here." And I, what he forgotten was, it, I wasn't really, but I was in. Graham Wiltshire was in charge of the team, but he used to go and field on the boundary at uh, long leg or or, or uh, fine leg. And uh, he used to send instructions up to me. Uh. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was, I was his first captain, really, Rick Loss. Yeah. And wonderful. One little story about that. <clears throat> Barry Richards came. And, uh, and Barry was fielding in the slips with me. And, and Martin Ashton came on. I put Martin Ashton came on the wall. And, and Ashley was... Sort of medium quick. Uh, so he bowled the first over, and this 18-year-old lad said to me, this Barry Richards, he said, Mike Proctor is three yards quicker than him. I said, what? He said, yeah, he said, Mike Proctor is three yards quicker. So I had a word with Wilt, and I said, I'll put him on and after uh, next over. So he put him on, uh, and in those days, he didn't have that great big long run that he came back with. And uh, up he comes, and Etheridge, Bob Etheridge was wicketkeeper, was in the same position for um, uh, Proctor as uh, he was with Ashenon. And all of a sudden, bang. <laughs> 
the body. <laughs> and everybody looked and thought, crikey. And we all moved back about three hours. Really? And this, and, it, yeah. and he wasn't bowling. He was bowling mid-stride. Mid, mid yeah. He wasn't bowling off the wrong foot. No, a lot of people thought he did bowl off the wrong foot. Didn't yeah, they? and he didn't. He, no. he bowled mid-stride. Really, yeah. It was a strange action, wasn't it? It was. Uh, but, but an incredible but he, pace. He, it was. It generated some incredible... And uh, I played played with the first team against Somerset one day and, and Brian Close was was the, um, was their captain. And he came in and... Uh, and up came Proctor. Bang! No ball. Hits closely. And he did that about three or four times. With no balls. So we went for a drink after the we came to the end of the end of the play. There was a little bar for players in the in the, in the dressing room in the, in the building, and uh, I went. I was up there first. And I had a drink, and then in, come, in comes um, Mike Proctor. So we're having a little chat there. Then in come Brian Close. And he, Close, he was, looked, he looked evil. <laughs> and I'm st stood in the middle of the bar, and he looked across at Proctor, and he said, did you mean to, did you mean that? Because he kept hitting them. He said, bowling from 20 yards. He said, and Proc said, I don't go back 35 yards to deliver, a, to have to have a bowl again. And Prelosi said, if I thought you meant it, we'd have real, you'd have real problems. Well, I'm sat in the middle. These two big lads are on. Certainly, yeah. He could How be am I going to stop this? Yeah, Brian and, was a fearsome and, character. And Proctor said, "No, I didn't mean it." And that was it. He, he accepted it. And, and close his end. Have a drink. Brilliant. Let's move back to your Rovers days, Harold. And, and, oh. and when when did they start? That was in 1959. Um, I uh, I played cricket for the Rovers first. They used to have a couple of cricket matches. And I played cricket for them. So on the Monday, on the Monday morning, in, uh, after I'd finished, I just completed a an apprenticeship, um, carpenter and joiner. I, I was a fully qualified carpenter and joiner. So I went on the Monday morning. I went down, and I thought, "Oh my God!" All these famous lad Bradford and uh, that I'd read about. And anyway, we went out to the Glenside Hospital to train. And we, we, we were running around and Fred Ford was in the middle and he was kicking the ball outside to the front man. And the front man had to kick it back to him and then run to the back of the thing. So, and uh, we'd been going about 10 minutes. So I, I got to the front. So Fred passed the ball to me. I passed it and he went wide of him. <laughs> and he said, he shouted at we only got you here to play cricket anyway. <laughs> I thought, oh, my God, what well, is an introduction? 
<laughs> when you did get in the first team as well, it was it was in in place of a winger that had been a huge favourite. Rose George George Petherbridge. Um, uh, uh, coming to, he was coming to the end. You were you were at the beginning, and, yeah. and you weren't altogether popular with the fans to start with, were you? No, no, because they loved George quite rightly, is quite rightly so, because George was a good player. I mean, he was only a very small chap, four, five foot four, and he'd had some great years with the Rovers, and they didn't want him to finish, and and it was very difficult to take over from him. You, you know, you used to take over, and if uh, something went wrong, oh, used to get lots of stick. And uh, it used to affect my confidence. And there was one headline in the Pinkin that uh, it said, Jarman must ignore the boo boys. And uh, I thought, at the time, this is going to be difficult. But I'll keep going. I'll... And eventually I won them over. As you certainly did because people did. The, the name Harold would, would ring around <laughs> the ground. I know sometimes you're embarrassed. Um, but this wonderful chant, Harold, Harold, would ring, ring around Eastville. Yeah. Um, where did that come from? Where did that start? Well, I think it started when Rodney Marsh was at QPR and they had a haunting sort of uh, a sound. Rodney, Rodney, and it used to haunt. And I think... One or two of the away, our, our fans away, caught hold of this, and it came back to Israel, and the whole of the North Stand got hold of this. You know, at half time when I came out from half time and walked across to that side, it was slightly embarrassing. Everybody was looking, and and, and they were singing, and all this business. And at times when you weren't playing very well, they were singing, still chanting it. Oh, this is it. <laughs> but it was lovely. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd, I'd won them round. Who were your early teammates or the, or the characters in the team? Early? Yeah, when you first started or, oh. or, or when, you, when you started to play well? Jarman Ward, who, Jarman uh, Hooper, Ward, Bradford, um, Biggs. Jarman Biggs, Bradford. Okay, let's talk about one of them to start with, Jeff Bradford. England England international playing for oh. Bristol Rovers um, is almost unthinkable, almost like John Attio in Bristol City. Uh, Jeff Bradford well, is not, the equivalent. I suppose, I, I, I didn't realise that John Attio was always part-time. That was in... Incredible, I, I, yeah. I, it, that was incredible. I mean, just go and play against Brazil and score and... And and for Jeff to, to to play for England, score and not be picked again, yeah, that was that was really hard, uh, wasn't it? That's yeah. hard. What, what were his qualities as a player, Jeff? Mm. Uh, if in doubt, put it in the net. That's what you would say. And start again. And and he could do it, and he used to score some incredible goals. His balance was perfect. His figure was perfect. Um, and his timing was great and he scored some incredible goals and you always had that feeling that if you had Jeff in the side you could get a goal the, the, the attitude was different in those days you went out to win games you never went out to defend you went out with a team that if you could win the game you won the game 
These days is slightly different. Though. Yeah, yeah. Is it true you played in the first League Cup tie? Did I play the first League Cup tie yeah. against Fulham? And it was the first first game in that competition, and you scored, didn't you? I scored the first goal. I th- I'm not sure whether they scored before us, mm. but I think I scored the first goal actually, because we kicked off 15 minutes earlier, and that was my first goal goal for the Rovers. Oh, was it? Yeah. Mm. And it was in the very first League Cup tie. That was in the very first League and, Cup And tie. Fulham were, I think, top flight team at that time. And you beat they them, were didn't you? first division. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, that was a wonderful... I, I did, you, don't, you don't know the significance of that no. until later. But mm. uh, I did enjoy that because if I'd scored. And I thought, well, you know... You had to be brave as a winger in those days, Harold, didn't you? Because of the, the way fullbacks would tackle, which they weren't, weren't allowed well, to first, do today. The, their very first thing, the, 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 go and rattle the, yeah. the uh, winger. Go and upset him, go and rattle him. So you expected And they were allowed challenge. to do it, you see. Yeah, yeah. So I was saying to Joe, what it made you do, what it made, what it made was to get on the side... It was a sideways, it's a bit like cricket, sideways game because you could see what was coming. If the ball was coming this way, you could see what was coming that way and get on the side. And the only time I, I had a, a nasty injury was when I didn't do that and some, somebody went into the back of me, stepped on my ankle and I uh, cracked a bone in my ankle. But uh, it was to, you had to be on the side because, unfortunately, they, they, they cut this out of the game. Yeah, well, I haven't cut it out, but uh, you, you can't afford to do it too many times. <laughs> in those can't. days, you could do it. <laughs> yeah. What were Bristol derbies like, Bristol City v Bristol Rovers in those days? Very nervous. And then big crowds as well. I mean, I played in at the uh, in front of over 30,000 two or three times against them. And uh, George, lovely man that George was, uh, he got injured, or so say injured. Um, and we were playing Bristol City and I came in. He's, and he came up to me and he said, H, he said, if I were you, he said, I wouldn't bother to go on the outside of this chap. This chap being Mike Thresher. Well-known, very quick. Uh, not the most constructive of players, but... Um, very hard, and I, I thought, George, I, I don't need need advice like this. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, and he said, "If I were you, I come." He said, "He can't play on his right on his right foot." So I go, ball comes, turn around, pressures in front of me, dropped shoulder, went on the outside, ended up on a dog track, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> As I was going through the air, I thought, oh, I wish I'd taken your advice, George. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. And uh, no, I didn't bother anymore. <laughs> what what other mem- what games stick out in your Rovers career or what goals stick out? That you-, you scored 120-odd goals, didn't you? And, and so w- was there a special one? There was one at Sunderland. And I came off... And uh, there were good sides under it, and I was, uh, like, this was in the second division. And I came on, 
And um, I came off the line, dropped my shoulder. Len, Len Ashworth was the fullback. Dropped my shoulder, came inside and hit this thing from about 30 yards with my left foot. And it flew in and I thought, my God. At the time, <laughs> and we were one up. And uh, uh, so the game went on. We lost 6-1. <laughs> Mainly due to a man called Brian Clough. Who scored a hat-trick. Centre forward for them. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, look what happened to him in the end. What Maybe, he went on, what he went on to. Yeah. Um, but that, that, another fantastic memory. Um, you had so many games, and I believe you had a testimonial, didn't you? Was it against Liverpool? Liverpool, yeah. What, what are your memories of that night? Well, there, was, there was some suggestion that Tommy, Tommy all, Smith kicked you in that game. <laughs> first of all, Fred, Fred, Fred was in charge of us then, Fred Ford. And he was a great friend of um, Bill Shankly because they worked together at Carlisle. And on a Friday night... Um, Bill Shankly had a brother called Bob, who was in charge of Queen of the South. So on a Friday night, they used to go from Carlisle to the Queen of the South and play six aside, and then drive back again. This is Bill Shankly and Fred Ford? Yeah. It was incredible. So he said, um, Fred said, I'll get Liverpool down. I said, well, he said, we'll go to Southampton. And, and we, we talked to Bill Shankly afterwards. So we went to Southampton, and all the press were there. You know, they used to gather around the dressing room door, and they were asking sort of questions. And they were asking questions about us, a certain lad uh, that played, and I've forgotten the name, they, uh, that played for Liverpool. And uh, they were saying what was happening to him, you know, and, and Bill, Bill Shankly came, great player. Lived Liverpool for the next twenty years, and all that sort of thing. They sold him the next day. <laughs> <laughs> that was Bill Shankly, but he was a great character, and he did bring he did, he brought Liverpool down to did, play. Did Tommy Smith kick you, even though it was a testimonial game? Sorry, did Tommy Smith kick you? No, no, <laughs> no. I got away with that. That was the one game he didn't kick anyone. No. <laughs> Uh, Lloyd, he tried. <laughs> Larry Lloyd. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Tara, yeah. we'll take you to the end of your Rovers career. You then had a, a brief spell, didn't you, at Newport County? Yeah, one season. Yeah, just yeah. one season there. Well, we'll brush over that because as if that didn't happen. Well, I because... did end up top goal scorer from. Oh, did you? Mm. Right, okay. Um, mm. But then another new came into your life, a New York Cosmos was the, was the, was the next move. How on earth did that come about? Well, uh, we had a lad. We had a lad come down on trial from Carlisle one day, and uh, I got. Fr I, I I made quite good friends with him. He was on, he was on trial for about a month, but he wasn't quite good enough. Uh, well, at the time, called Gordon Bradley, and uh, well, eventually ended up as New York's chief coach. And uh, he came over. I went into Duck Hillard shop one day, and there was a chap in there who was at, at Yale University, and he was the chief coach there, and he, we got talking. He said, would you be interested in going to America? And I said, 
Well, yeah. Why not? It was just start. It was just restarting because they 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 had one go, and it sort of failed a little bit. And um, so the next thing I knew, Gordon Bradley was chief coach. Came in, he said, oh, "I'm coming to see you play," and that was at Exeter and then uh, Torquay. And uh, they offered me three times as much. Four, no, about four times as much as I was getting at, at Newport, who were paying me more than what Bristol Rovers paid paid me anyway. Uh, for about sixteen games, eighteen games in New York, they paid everything with my um, where I stayed. I had a flat uh, with a lovely te- uh, coloured television, which we didn't have, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and a fully furnished flat, beautiful. And I thought, well, this is, yeah, I'll have a go at this. A few surprises, though. I imagine the pitches were a bit of a surprise at the time, because a lot of it was AstroTurf, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Um the very first one I played on was AstroTurf and uh, in the Hofstra University. They apparently won their sort of league the year before or their division. Uh, but it wasn't very good, apparently. They played on this, it was like concrete. And uh, it's the very first time I'd ever played on it. I, I managed to score, actually. Um, but then... It was slightly different. You, you could walk on the field and they'd have this music playing. And then they'd announce your name and you had names on the back of your shirt, which didn't happen over here at all, you know. Uh, the pitches weren't all that brilliant. And, and the standard was, the standard was okay. But uh, it wasn't until the following season that probably the greatest player in the world went there. But you left. <laughs> you got homesick, Harold, didn't you? That was one of the reasons. You were homesick over there. Yes. I had three young children. I hadn't been away from them at all. And I did get, I did get very homesick. Um, about... Uh, Ten years later, oh, no, five years later, I suppose, I had a phone call from from Gordon Bradley. And what he wanted was, uh, did I know of any young players that wanted to, um, that were, that were, were interested in playing football, but also continuing their education? And because he was working at university, so, and they had so many... He had so many uh, bursaries, I suppose, um, to use. And uh, and he said, did I know of any young players? And whilst uh, in the middle of that conversation, I said to him, was I retained for the following year? And he said, yes. He said, uh, I said, oh, good. I said, because, <laughs> I said, 
I often tell the story that they had to replace, you had to replace me with Pele. <laughs> he, he, he sort of smiled about it. I said, I said it cost him a million pounds to re replace me. He said it cost four times as much as that. <laughs> yeah, so, so you, it was your decision to leave then, basically. And, and had you had you stayed, you would have played alongside Pelé. Oh, yes. I would have played alongside Pelé. Yeah. God. But he came out of retirement. And the difference that he made to American football was enormous. And I, I, I think now that that was the start of the sort of renations of uh, yeah. American football. Because so many other big names followed, didn't they? That was the thing. So many big names followed him. Mm. Mm. So many other clubs played out big money. Um, and the standard of the American players went up because the standard... Of, they they had a, a, a very useful thing. They, you had to include three different... three American players, which was good. That, but they weren't very good, actually. And... One who stayed were Werner Roth, the centre half. I didn't think was a very good player at all, <laughs> but he he played with Pelé for two or three years, and they built a they built a new stadium out out of it. Really? really, yeah. So it was Jarman out, Pelé in. Oh. <laughs> Would have been lovely. <laughs> Would have been nice to play with him, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you come back to England, Harold, and, and let's move on to to your time as a manager. Um, which included the spell as, as, as Bristol Rovers manager. Um, but I think, first of all, you went back there as youth coach, did you? I went back as youth team coach, and I had um, probably uh, the best youth team that Bristol Rovers ever had, which was great. And I had a great rapport. I had Gary Mabbott and uh, ten of the lads played in the first team, cool. one says, or had a game in the first team. And, we, and they... We could compete with the best teams in the land as well, the best youth teams. Um, Everton won the Youth Team Cup. We, we played them three times and only lost uh, because of a couple of mistakes that we made. It. And that was, and I, I enjoyed, that was the most enjoyable period of my management career. Wonderful. So how did the transition to first team manager come about? Well, the first team weren't doing very well. <clears throat> and it came to the stage... I mean, I loved Bob Campbell. He was a wonderful man. And poor old Bob was having a bad time. And uh, so they decided to sack Bob. And Gordon Brennett, Bennett, who was the youth team, and, and the secretary, Pete Terry, came to me and they said, we want you to go to the board... You're going to be asked to go to the board meeting tonight and you have to say yes. <laughs> so they would, we want you to look after the time for the interim period before we get... I said, okay, yeah, which I did. But they wanted to appoint Terry Cooper... Now, Terry Cooper hadn't behaved himself that well, to be honest. Um, uh, and he'd undermined Bob Campbell. But at the same time, he was playing. And I had no qualms about him playing. He played great 
at home. And he didn't do so well away from home. Whether that was intentional or not, you would have to ask Terry Cooper. And the board were split on, because they wanted Terry Cooper to be, some of them wanted to be, and half of them didn't. But we kept getting results. So they thought it was difficult. And it was very difficult to run a football club when your chairman and vice chairman aren't fully behind you. And I was annoyed at that, really annoyed, because I wanted everybody to be on, this, on the same wavelength. We were down it, took over when we were at bottom of the league, and we worked quite hard. <coughs> and I got a, a, and it was a difficult team to, to manage. Some of the players wanted to be with Terry Cooper. The locals wanted to be with me. The youth team players that were in the side wanted to be with me. So you had them in training like this. But this was partly a good thing. Because partly because they didn't want to give in to one another. So they were going to try as hard as they could. And that was great. And Terry Cooper showed his class in, in, that, in that football team. And they learned a lot from him. But uh, it, was, it was such a difficult period. And I thought, and I thought at the end of the, towards the end of the season, I wanted to have them make a decision. And I said to uh, Bennett, I want them to make a decision. He said, I would hang on if I were you. So uh, this is what I did. And at the end, one game to go, we were safe. And I, I planned, I was making plans for the following season. And all of a sudden, I didn't get the job. And I was so, so disappointed. And they gave it to Terry Cooper? They gave it to Terry, Terry mm. Cooper. Mm. Who didn't do it, as he would be the first to admit that good a job. <laughs> they were down by Christmas. <laughs> Unfortunately... He showed some, they were very naive. It was his first job. And yeah, he's the first to, he's the first to admit that. that, he, that he, he was, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, and well, obviously he went on to do much better at Bristol City, but, that, but that's another story. So did that put you off management then? Did, did you not fancy um, it anymore? I did apply for one or two jobs that I didn't get. The next, the next job was um, I was chief scout at um, Blackburn Rovers. But then they had a crisis at the end, towards the end of the season of, uh, of money. And, of course, I was living in Bristol as well. Uh, so I left, uh, I left Blackburn then. But that was an experience. That was a good experience. Mm. And then you went into local football here? Uh, I, I didn't do anything for a year or so. I, I looked after Bristol University, I think, doing some coaching there. And then um, uh, Bath City, I went to Bath. There's a, uh, I went to Bath City, and again, there was con, there was, it was controversy in the, in the boardroom. 
Somebody sat in the stand with money um, that they wanted, or some of them wanted to appoint. We were fourth, I think, in the league when I left. And uh, they wanted to buy a player. They wanted a player that I didn't want. And uh, I was proved right. Uh, and But they, they went behind. They went behind my back and signed this lad. And I immediately resigned. I said, you don't need a manager. If you... So outside of football, what were you doing then? Did you make use of your carpentry apprenticeship? Yes, I was self-employed with my brother. Brother was a brilliant carpenter and joiner. Uh, fortunately, <laughs> he uh, and we we uh, we carried on a little business between us, and mm. we did quite well. And um, Rolf Miller came down from Mangusville. I always seem to be involved with controversial <laughs> controversy in, in the in the boardrooms. Uh, we. Um, we did. We we saved ourselves from going into the second division of the Western League, and the following the following year, we had a good side. We should have won the league. Uh, we had a bad game down in Cornwall somewhere, Liscard, and if, had we won that game, we we would would have won the league. But the following year, we flew. We, we absolutely flew it, and it was brilliant. So that took them in what, to the Southern League, did it? That was the Western League. But they wouldn't allow us to go into the Southern League because oh. our oh, right. conditions weren't right. Oh, you know? right. Yeah, so, so, and, it, and they appointed... Mm. We had a chairman, and I, I don't even forgotten his name, but he was, he was related to uh, the one we had at Bristol Rovers. Uh, and uh, he wanted... Uh, my assistant to be the manager and he also tried um, to be the manager of Clevedon as well or the chairman of Clevedon he wanted to be chairman of both clubs in the same league and I thought well you can't do that anyway off they went to choose Mm. Off they went to Cleveland. Of course, he, he had a lot more money than what Mangusfield did, and he took, they took half of our size. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, the side, and that was... Hard to take. That was a pity. <clears throat> so let's bring things right up to date then. You're in your 80s now, I hope you don't mind me saying, Harold, but still a very keen golfer. I mean, what, what's, what does life consist of mainly for you today? Uh, let's say when, when COVID's not around. Uh... Well, you're on about the game. I'm talking about what you do off, what you do now. And what, what, watched, is your, what is your I life watched, like now? I watch more football now than I've ever done in my life. I think because I've got a little tablet, I can sit sit uh, in front of the television, and there's so much more television football these days. And uh, I watch it. I I haven't got quite the same interest. Um, I think some of it's become a lot become a bit boring i'm i uh, i'm annoyed at some of the things that they, they they get up to uh throwing themselves in the in the box and then if they're injured they whack the ground with their hands and that I don't, that that doesn't do the game any good no. uh, it has improved because conditions have improved i mean conditions for training 
uh, are vastly different these days to what they were in my day, and quite rightly so. Mm. Um, You'd have liked the pitches to play on that they play on today. Oh, you? we played on diamonds, didn't we? <laughs> Bits where the pitches were bare. And then we, when you came to the end of the season, the board bounced over your head and everything. Uh, these days, you, you just see a green. They've done wonders. With, uh, how they've done it, I don't know. Mm. But it's brilliant. You tell me you're looking forward to playing golf again when the when it's allowed? Yes. Yeah, I get out of the way of my wife. <laughs> uh, but secretly, I, it's, it's my way of trying to keep fit, trying mm. to keep going. Trying to be sane. Well, you're looking pretty good on it, Harold. Uh, bits of dropping off <laughs> <laughs> here and there, but it's uh, no. I I've I owe a great debt to Henry Golf Club because I've had some wonderful times there. And what you have got, Harold, is some wonderful memories, haven't you? Which nobody can take away from you. No, I set out just to be an ordinary chap played football perhaps people might remember me and uh, if I've if I've entertained people so much the better